Good morning, church. Welcome this morning. We're excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I say that every week, and every week it's true. Um, we had a phenomenal worship night on Friday. Yeah. It just felt so good. It felt so good to be in the presence of the Lord on a Friday. Yeah. And um, I, I, I've never come out on a Wednesday because it was torture getting here. I mean, oh my goodness, the work of getting the kids out and the dogs and Everyone was in an uproar, and I knew it was going to be good. When it's that hard to get somewhere, yeah. you know there's a blessing there. There's something good there, and it was. It was so, it was so good. Um, and so I'm excited that blink, and we're back. Yeah. And that is a blessing this morning. Amen. So go ahead and stand up with me. Let's just get ready to Amen. receive from heaven this morning and to minister to heaven this morning. Amen. Um, because that's what it, it's our great privilege to worship. It's our great privilege to come into the presence of Almighty God and to, to, um, to pour ourselves out unto him and then to receive back the blessing that he pours out unto us. Amen. I'm going to read a call to worship this morning out of Revelation 21. Uh, you don't have to read it with me. I just want you to just look at the words as I read them. And it's basically the end of the book. It's the end of the Bible, and it's talking about Jesus' reign and all the things that he is going to make new. And it brings us such hope, such confidence that he will fulfill his promises. Every one of them, he is faithful to fulfill them. And it goes like this out of Revelation 21. It says, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain of the former things that have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write these words, they are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done, church. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. So Father, we come thirsty for you, Lord. Thirsty for more of you. The one who is able to make all things new the one who abides with us and loves us and cares for us, Lord. We worship you this morning. We worship you this morning. We give you all the honor, all the glory. In your precious name we pray. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's worship. In Proverbs 4, it says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Your heart, your heart, your heart. Sometimes we have physical symptoms and we go right to what's causing the physical symptoms and we pray about the physical symptoms. We overlook our heart. But this scripture, it tells me that his words are life to those who find them. 
and health to all their flesh. Where does that transaction happen? Where does the transaction happen where the word turns into, becomes life to my flesh? It happens in my heart. It happens when I believe unto righteousness, when I believe the word. And I didn't pay much attention to my heart at all throughout my whole life. It's just about surviving. It's about getting through each day. It's about reading the signs and the signals of all the people around me. Is this a safe person? How do I need to act in this situation? And we, we are busy and we go through all of it, some of it good. I mean, as pastors, you know, our work is the word and it's people, but we can turn it into a to-do list and we can neglect our heart. And I was about 40 years old before the Lord sent me a friend who started consistently asking me, how's your heart today? How's your heart this week, Liz? And it was a shocking question. It was shocking. And I began to understand and learn that Jesus wants my heart. He cares about my heart, that my heart is important. My spirit is born again. My spirit is perfect. It can't get any more perfect. What I do or don't do doesn't affect the state of my spirit. I am born again. I am a child of God. The blood of Jesus does it all. I add nothing to it, and I can never take anything from it. But my heart, the word says to guard it and to keep it. Well, I wasn't guarding it and keeping it because I wasn't paying it any attention. Because, it, you know, in, in a lot of Christian circles and in the world, we just, we hear that, well, feelings. You can't be led by feelings. You got to put those feelings down. Well, God cares about feelings. It's just what we do with them. He wants them. He wants them. He wants us to come into his presence and sit with him and share them and talk with him about them. If we're afraid, you know, we're Word of Faith Church. We believe in the Word. But we don't like to say, you know what, I really was afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid a lot, but I just run to Jesus and do His Word. And that's, that's exactly, fear is not, it's not a bad word when it's in the presence of Jesus. It points to woundedness in us. It points to a greater, an area that can be brought into greater trust with the Father. And if we never look at our heart, how do we grow deeper with him? How do we grow into trusting him more, releasing our fears to him if we won't even acknowledge that they're there in the first place? Then we're just driven about and our actions become almost driven. We don't even know why we do the things we do. We don't know why we say the things we say. So this morning, church, he makes our hearts come alive because he came for our hearts. He came for our hearts. It's the, it's the peace we willingly give to him. So this morning, as we come up to the communion table, I just want you to consider how is your heart this morning? How is your heart this morning? Turn your attention to Jesus this morning and know that his attention is on your heart this morning. He knows about the state of the world. He knows about your finances. He knows about your pain in your body. He knows about the woundedness in your heart. And he wants to take you by the hand this morning. And he wants to have a good look. And he wants to be, he'll, he'll be with you. So this morning, I release you to come to the, the table of communion, uh, divine impartation of grace. 
the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus. If you're gluten-free, those elements are on the table or the little plate in the center. Um, otherwise, the, the, the bread and the juice are like stacked, so it's just one pickup. And then you can circle around to your seats and hold on to your elements. Pastor Andy's going to come up. And he's going to lead us into partaking of the Lord's Supper together. To piggyback off of what Pastor Liz just said, um, guarding our hearts. One of the best ways for us to be able to guard our hearts and protect our hearts is by doing this very thing of partaking of communion and doing what Jesus told us to do, do this in remembrance of him and of what he's done. And the Bible talks a lot about remembering God told the Israelites to do all kinds of things to remember him. He established holidays and feasts for them to partake in, to remember what he had done for them, had them raise up monu- like a monument to remember different things that God has done for them. And so we need to also do the same thing. We can remember bad things or we can remember good things. And God wants us to remember the good things. And the best thing is him. And so what I want to do this morning before we partake, is kind of go over Jesus's death and just remember it. And, and so in Matthew 26, after he actually has the Last Supper with his disciples, he goes to the garden to pray. And he sweats great drops of blood in anguish as he's deciding, Father, I'm going to do your will. Is there any other way? No, this is the only way. And he says, okay. And then Judas comes with the army and they take him. He betrays him. Jesus goes through a betrayal of one of his disciples, his close, one of his close 12 disciples. And then he makes his way to the Sanhedrin where they question him and accuse him of all kinds of things that he didn't do. And then it finally comes down to the question, who are you? And he says, I am the son of God. And then they revile him and blaspheme him. And it says that they, the people around him came and spit in his face. And then they beat him. And it says they slapped him with their palms. Then Jesus is taken and he, if you read a different accounts, Peter denies him three times. And there is one account where Jesus and Peter do see each other in that moment. You get to Matthew 27. He's handed over to Pontius Pilate. And Pilate doesn't want to kill him. But he values his government authority over doing the right thing. And so he releases a criminal instead, Barabbas. Then Jesus is taken. And I want to read this part. Verse 27, just close your eyes and just kind of picture this. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him, and they stripped him. He would have been stripped completely naked. And when they had twisted, they had put it, I'm sorry, and they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. 
And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat in his face. They took the reed and struck him, struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the rope off of him and put his own clothes on him. And they led him away to be crucified. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon, by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to the place called Golgotha, that is to say, place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall and drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over, over him there. And they put over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, king of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, "Who, You who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking with the scribes and elders said, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. And if he is the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, this, is, this man is calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the, centurions and, so when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Jesus took the punishment we deserved, the beating, the mocking, the pain, the suffering that we deserve for our sins. And he took the forsaking of the Father for us, that moment where he was separated from his Father, experiencing the greatest of all deaths. So we would not have to. And so this morning, let us remember what he has done for us. Take a moment and just talk with him and evaluate your hearts. And then we will come back and partake together. Jesus, we thank you so much for what you have done for us. And we remember, and we let what you have done for us guard our hearts, guard our hearts, and refocus us to be focused on you, 
and on your love. Thank you that it's not our love for you that saves us. It's your love for us. And we rely on your love, Jesus. And we thank you for what you've done. In Matthew 26, verse 26, And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the, to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Go ahead and eat. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Go ahead and drink. Hallelujah. We're going to continue to worship the Lord. Feel free to come up to the front and worship him. So as we're singing that song, um, the Lord just told me to share this to parents. Um, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Fifteen years ago, today, the Lord blessed me with a baby girl. And today she's 15 years old. And it wasn't just with her, but the memory of it is strongest with her. And I can see the room, but every night I'd hold her and I would sing a series of songs and I would end with that one and I would sing it loud. And it would bounce off the walls of her little bedroom and I'd lay her down to sleep with her little binky. Parents, sing over your children. Sing over your children and bless them. The other one... Um, the other one was, um, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. The Lord be gracious to you and turn his face toward you and give you peace and give you peace. And I sang it over them. And they'd ask me, Mom, sing that one, sing that one. And I'd hold them and I'd sing it over them. And I put them to bed every night, most nights, um, when they were little, singing over them. And then also, so as we were worshiping, I like made my way up and took like a secret video as I'm worshiping, because I can stay and worship and do other things, um, because um, God's in all the things. And I took this secret video because Maggie May, she used to be in a stroller, you all know, right? She used to sit in the stroller, and whenever she'd make too much of a fuss, someone would take her out. But we've been working with her over the course of time, parents, to stay in the service longer and longer and longer. And she wanted out of her stroller. It's like, well, if you want out of your stroller, you have to sit like a big girl through one song. We started with one song, and then out she could go with her snack and her toys. Then two songs. So today, before that last song, she's like, can I go to the family room? And I said, no, one more song. But she knew it was coming because we slowly over time just extended it and extended it and extended it. And so because I said no, there she stands today next to her dad worshiping with both hands in her pockets. 
singing amen, 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 and you know we're going to be listening to her. She absorbs songs. She's going to be singing that up and down the house for days and days and days, and she's just singing amen, amen, amen next to her dad. And so parents, I just want to encourage you that you're training your kids from day one, your babies from day one. Have them in worship with you as long as they'll make it right. and sway them. They're worshiping mm. with you. Yeah. Hold, the, hold them on your hips as long as they'll, they'll be content before you let them get down to color during worship. Yeah. And sway them or teach them things to do. Mm. I mean, with Maggie May, I'd be like, do this. I'd give her fun little things to do that are worshipful-ish <laughs> for a baby, for a toddler. And we just grow them up in Jesus. It's like, it's like my kids have always known him. It's like they've always known him. And that's phenomenal. It's remarkable. And it's what you want for your kids. It's the, it's, it is more than I could have ever asked or thought of or imagined before I had kids. It was such a foreign thing to me. And now it's like I'm living the dream. And it is just God's teaching me through the years. And so this morning as we started that song, he said, Liz, tell them. Tell them, parents, commit your way unto the Lord, and it will prosper. It will prosper. Commit your children unto the Lord, and they will prosper. Don't do what is easy in the moment. Do what is purposeful and loving in the moment, which is sometimes giving in, taking them to the family room, calling, calling, calling it, calling it. We're going. It's all good. We'll do. We'll try again next week. And sometimes it's saying, "No, no, you can do it a little bit longer." And knowing which way to go is the walk of the Holy Spirit. It's the walk of the Holy Spirit, and it's just inviting Him into the parenting and into the worship with your children. And this is so important. The next generation. I had a conversation with this morning. The next generation. I want my kids to be second-generation pastors because the power and anointing they walk in will be greater than the power and anointing that we walk in. And then their children, when my children are faithful and grow in in the power and the anointing of the Lord without having to constantly be fighting off fear and sin that is generational because we're standing and saying no more, it ends here, and only blessing, power, and anointing goes forward, their children then will move mountains. Their children will, will say to the dead, rise up in the name of Jesus, and it will be done in Jesus' name. Because God, he's a generational God. He works in generations. He works in generations. So parents, I encourage you today to sing over your children, to bless them, to release them into the care of Almighty God, because he is able to keep them. He is able to keep you. (laughs) He is able to bring you into his perfect will, which will be more than you can ask, think, or imagine. Is that the scripture you had now? Well, almost. (laughs) That would be amazing. Yeah. uh, What I felt this morning is that Isaiah 55 goes right along with what you're saying. As we are speaking the word over our children, as we're doing it, here's the promise that aligns with it. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing 
for which I sent it. When we pray and we speak a blessing over our children, we are literally changing the future. <laughs> We're literally changing the future as we speak it. Can I extend that, church? Can we pray a blessing over our neighbors? Yeah. Can we pray a blessing over our neighborhood, over our church, our pastors, our leaders, our friends? Can we begin to, to just grow in prayer? Grow in prayer and walk in blessing. Can we walk into Wegmans and just remember, can we be a people who may have space in our, in our mind and in our life to remember that we are light Amen. and that where we go, we carry light, that we're walking into Wegmans or we're walking into the mall or we're walking into the movie theater, that there are people there who are desperate for it, who yeah. need the word spoken over them so that it will not return, because it will not return void. That's right. All we need are people who will speak the word over their children mm -hmm. and out as they go. Amen. So Amen. Good. We're good. Okay. Well, praise God. Thank you, Father. All right, we're going to go into a time of uh, greeting where we just encourage one another. Um, and uh, during this time, if you have tithes and offerings, uh, there'll be buckets up here uh, for you to put those in. Also, if this is your first time with us, um, or even your second or third time in the, and we don't have any information, um, on the back of the seats, there's a connection card. It's a place where you can just put your name and an email. And we usually just send out an email that says, hey, welcome, this is who we are. Here's a link to our website. If you need anything, let us know. That's about it. Like we don't have a, a bank of telephone marketers who call you and, and bother you. So we just like to know who you were, that you are here. We like to remember your names. We like to pray over you. Um, if you have prayer requests or praise reports, that also goes on that card, and those cards can come up and go in, in the offering buckets. Uh, kids, Kid Corner, ECF Kids, you know the drill. Your bags are over there, books, sermon notes. If you're a guest and you have children, I have special bags for our guests um, with some fun things for the kids to do during service. Also, family room is across, straight across the lobby. It's for kids like three through eight. They just need a little place to hang out where their parents can still hear the service. Um, it's a lovely space, so if you need that, that's available. The nursery is also open for parents to hang out with their babies, and you can hear the service in there as well. Yeah, and then just one other thing before we dismiss for break. Uh, if you uh, have given it all during 2021, uh, Miss Tammy will be out in the lobby as well. You can pick up your giving statement during the break or after church, but during the break you can do that as well. We usually have about an eight-minute break, so you can kind of move around a little bit. Okay, and we'll see you back here in eight minutes. <laughs> All right, church family, let's talk about announcements. Jason and I just had a really funny conversation. I don't know if I should share it or not. Um, first announcement is SOAP for the Erie City Mission. Um, Erie Christian Fellowship has really come together, and we are the provider of SOAP for the Erie City Mission, and it is a real blessing. Uh, it is going out. It is going out to people who need it most. It's um, I was going to say it's not sexy. Let me find another word. Um, yeah, it's not flashy. It's not, a, oh, I said it anyway, didn't I, out loud. Um, it's not flashy, but it's necessary, it's needed, and so it's awesome, and, um, and we send it out in the name of Jesus, meeting the needs of people. So this is the, this is the exact soap that we collect. It is sold at Walmart uh, in one-pound bags. 
And straight across the lobby through the double doors, like toward the family room, is where our missions area kind of is. And there's like uh, totes for the soap to go into. Um, alternately, you can just give toward the soap if you avoid Walmart at all costs. Um, you can just give toward the soap uh, ministry by uh, marking an offering envelope, and you would mark missions and write soap, and then we'll know where that money goes towards. Um, and all the money you give goes directly to buy soap and goes directly to the city mission. So it's an awesome little thing, awesome big thing that we do as a church family. So I invite you to join if you haven't been. Uh, the next announcement is the young adults group is meeting this Tuesday at 6 p.m., this group is for people around 18 to 28. It is led by Sydney Moore, who is sitting here leading us in worship. She is our worship leader, um, and she is phenomenally grounded in God. Uh, she's fun. Like, she's fun to be around. If you don't know that, I'm telling you. Um, and she also, I mean, I could sit and be taught of Sydney from the word. I'm sure of it. I know. I've been taught of her just in her actions um, and watching her. Okay, I'll stop talking about you. Um, I invite you to go. If you haven't been, um, I invite you to go. If you are 18 to 28 and you want more information, uh, send an email to ecf at ecfchurch.org or talk to me after service. My daughter Grace goes. She's 18. She never misses. Um, they have a really good time. I think they're starting a study on numbers that was our funny conversation. I was like, like the book of numbers? He was like, yeah, they're, they're going to study the book of numbers. I was like, Jason, what's in the book of numbers? It's like, isn't it all like the tabernacle and all the details and stuff? And he was like, yeah, I think so. <laughs> so that was our funny conversation before we came up here. And I just say, hey, that's brave. It's going to be fantastic. She's digging into the book of numbers. So I'm excited to, um, to get the cliff notes from Grace as she goes to that group. So again, I encourage you, if you're a young adult, and you're looking for some fun young adults to hang out with who really know the word and have some really great conversations, I encourage you. It's this Tuesday from 6 to 8. And the Rose Center is the white building. Am I pointing the right way? Up here. Um, it's just across the way. It's where our church offices are. So that's where they meet. All right. That's what I have. It's in the wilderness. Amen. Isn't he with us everywhere we go? Even, I mean, we could be in the most uncertain times. You know, I was just reading this morning in uh, Mark, I think, chapter 4, where it talks about the disciples are in the boat, and the storm is raging, and just all around them, and it's just, they don't know what to do. But what they do know to do is go wake up Jesus. And they say, Jesus, I need you. And he was with them in the boat. And Jesus stood up and said, peace, be still. And the storms around them calm down. So I'd say this morning, if you are in a storm of any kind, know that Jesus is right there in the boat with you. He is right with you. He is right with you. And we just continue to abide with him, and he does the work. He says, peace be still, amen? And it is still. Okay, we're going to continue to worship the Lord with our giving. I already mentioned about the giving statements are available in the lobby. I also, there's a slide that rolls before and after church about different ways that you can give. Uh, so you guys, you can give a lot of different ways other than just bringing, uh, uh, filling out the offering envelopes. You can give online, you can text to give. I won't go through those uh, this morning. The scripture I have is out of Deuteronomy 8, verse 18. 
Deuteronomy 8, verse 18. And every time I read this, I'm just like, man, it is so good. How many know the Bible is just so good? And sometimes you read the same verse like a year later or 15 years later or whatever years later, you're just like, wow, that's really good. And he speaks, the word is living. It's literally a living organism. So when you read it, you get different illumination every time when you're looking at it. God is just revealing deeper and deeper depths of who he is and his love for us. It says this, Deuteronomy 8.18, And you shall remember the Lord your God. Can we remember him in every area of our life? For it is he who gives you power to get wealth. Wait a second, I thought it was my intelligence. I thought it was my hard-working, pull myself up by my bootstraps, I never call in sick even when I don't feel well mentality. Nope. Wait a second. I thought it was because my inheritance, because of, yeah, it's your inheritance in him. It's part of the covenant in him. Look at this. For it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. He is the one who we give all the praise to. He is the one that we glorify. He is the one that we honor because it is him who gives us the power to get wealth. And it looks, look at this, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And so as I read that scripture, it's like, I have like a little arrows on my, on my sheet here. It's like, there's power from God that gives us the ability to gain wealth, which is part of the covenant, which is linked to the blessing, which the purpose of all of it is to expand his kingdom. That's the whole purpose of all of it. So his power to give us wealth is so that his kingdom can be established in a greater way on this earth. Amen? And that's why we give. We give because we want to just, one, he tells us to give. Two, we do it with a cheerful heart. But three, we give because we want to see God's kingdom expanded. We want to see the needs of the people met. We want to see the lost saved, the sick healed, lives transformed, families thriving. We want to see Northwest Pennsylvania saved. We want to see a million souls come to Jesus Christ. We are thankful that this church is marked by miracles. We are thankful that people are moving from death to life, all because he is faithful, he is good, and he gives us everything that we have. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are the great giver. You loved us so much that you gave your son for us to die for our sins, to pay the ultimate sacrifice and price that we talked about earlier. Lord, to establish this new covenant with us. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are the promise keeper, Lord. That you are in the boat with us, Lord. You are calming the storms around us, Heavenly Father. Father, we just thank you for your power and your strength and your ability Father God, that works through us. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you will meet every need. We thank you, Lord, that 2022 is a year of overflow. A year of overflow. Father, overflow in our finances, overflow in our marriages, overflow with our children, overflow in our relationships, in our jobs. And when we go to Wegmans, Lord, overflow, Father God. Lord, that we would be lights unto this world. Father, and I thank you for the overflow because of you. And Lord, as we just listen to your word today, Lord, that you would strengthen us, encourage us, Lord, and that you would just reveal things in our heart, as we talked about earlier. Reveal things in our heart, Lord, beliefs that we've had that are not right. Lord, that we want to be aligned with your word. 
and that you love us and you care for us. In your precious name we pray. Amen? Amen. Okay, open up your Bibles, two places, Acts chapter 2 and then Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to briefly go in Acts chapter 2 and then we're going to get into uh, Matthew chapter 6. For those of you that are newer here, yes, periodically I hold a football while I preach. I have no analogies planned this morning that has anything to do with football, although we do know it is playoff season. There were playoff games yesterday, there's playoff games today, the Super Bowl is coming up. I just like to hold a football because that's how I was born and raised, and it just feels natural to me. So I'm going to hold a football. Okay, Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. We're doing a series called Awakening, and in this series we're talking about the spiritual disciplines that we see in the early church. And as I read this, I, I read it last week, but I just want you to just almost close your eyes and picture the early church, and then picture us. Erie Christian Fellowship Church, acting much the same, of course, there's a different type of building and everything else, but in much the same way as the early church was acting when when I read this. Starting in verse 42, it says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done, through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And so continually daily with one accord, unity, 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 in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness in simplicity of heart. How many know this world needs a little more simplicity in it? It's gotten so complicated. Simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So I have a chart up that shows the spiritual disciplines that we can see that are in operation in the early church. And during this series, we're going to talk through a little bit on each of them. We're on prayer right now. We're going to, this will be the last week, I believe, on praying. But that's what, if you look at them, there's giving, studying God's word, worship, church attendance, home fellowship, serving, breaking bread together, praying. All of these are spiritual disciplines that as your pastors, I want to see developed more and more in your life. It doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum on any of those. But what we want to see is this journey of discipleship is that you're moving closer and closer to the biblical standard on these things and what he has for us. And the reason why we do it is because it is the full Monty. It's the full cake. It's the beautiful thing that God has for us. And if you take any one of those things out, you're missing something. If you're not serving in some way, I'm talking about serving your family or serving the church or serving the city. If if you're missing something, you are missing a blessing that God has for you. If you never worship, you're missing a blessing that God has for you. If you never read the word of God, you're missing a blessing that God has for you. And my analogy last week was I was talking about baking a cake. Well, I got a new analogy this week. Anybody ever go to a gym? to work out. Everyone's probably got their New Year's resolutions on. If you're still doing it, that's no more our New Year's resolution. You're actually sticking with it. Praise God. 
But if you ever go to a gym, I've been to a lot of gyms, I've worked out, I've played sports my whole life, and there'd always be someone in the gym who would only do bench press. All right, for those who know what I'm talking about. It's the one guy, usually it's a guy, sometimes a girl, but so all he would do was bench press. And he'd make all this noise, like this was the one thing he would do. He put 300 pounds on there, he'd be going like this. And then you see him walking around in his shorts, and his legs are like puny. There's like no muscles, there's nothing in his arms, there's nothing in his legs, and you're just like, what is wrong with this guy? It's because he's doing one discipline. He's only doing one. He's building up his chest muscles, but that he, guess what, guys? God wants us to build all of our spiritual muscles up, not just pumping the word of God. He wants us to worship, and he wants us to get down and pray, and he wants us to move and serve and give of our lives. All of these things is what he wants, and that's what makes as we well-rounded someone who's not like the guy in the gym who does only the bench press. And of course, he always slams down the bench press when he's done because he wants everybody to see how much weight he has on it, right? Now he's hitting it, hitting it, boom, and he he gets up. You're like, that guy's missing stuff. He's missing. And so I don't want you guys to be like the dude who only bench presses, okay? Could we be not like the guy who only bench presses but does a full body workout? Can we do a full body workout and look at each one of these things and say, you know what? I want all of these things in my life. And it doesn't mean if you, if you don't spend time in the Word of God, you're going to just start bench pressing 300 pounds or curling 100 pounds. You just start where you're at. Come on, church. Start where you're at. Start with the one, you know they have one and a half pound dumbbells? Come on now. If that's where you need to start with the leg curl, go ahead and do that. Start with one and a half pound leg curl. That's okay because eventually you'll get to two pounds, and then three, and then five, and then ten, then you'll be clicking in the things, and you'll be going over to the big boys with the big dumbbells, okay? This is what I want for you guys. This is the goal of this series, uh, and maybe next week I'll do one on football, a different analogy. Okay, so these are the things. You guys can take a picture of those if you want, uh, but I just think it's important for us to see this. So we're talking about prayer. This is the third week on prayer, I'm probably going to wrap it up unless the Lord says something differently. And we're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. It says that Jesus taught us how to pray with the Lord's Prayer. If you did not get one of these little handy-dandy handouts that you can slip in your Bible and keep with you, just slip your hand up. I think we got most people at the break. But if you need one, just slip your hand up. We'll get it to you. Go to Matthew chapter 6. And before we get there, I just want us to say the Lord's Prayer. Don't look at your sheet. Just say it like you've always said it. Can we say that together? On the count of three. One, two, three. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That will be the last time you say that prayer the way you said that prayer. It will be the last, if you are here today, it will be the last time you say that prayer the way we just said that prayer. 
And at the end, we're going to say that prayer, and we're going to say it like we mean it, because I'm going to talk to you about that prayer, what that prayer means, and everything that is packed in there, that when you say it, it's like the words that are coming out of your mouth are going to start exploding with faith and promises, and healing, and knowing what God has for us. That's my goal for us today. Matthew 6, starting in verse 5. It says, When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door... Look, Jesus had to get away too. Moms, I know it's hard, but you can find ways to get away. Dads, rise up to the occasion and take the baby so mama can go out and get a little prayer time. Amen? Jesus went off and got alone. Pray to your father who is in the secret place. Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. He is in the secret place. We talked about... He, he knows what's going on in your heart. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to reveal the things in your heart that are broken so that he can heal them. And a lot of times that's a painful process to go through, and I understand that, but he is in the secret place. We pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus. We pray to God the Father in the name of Jesus. Why? Because there's power in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. And the Bible says that every knee will bow. John 14, 13 says this, and stay in Matthew, you don't have to jump there. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do it. For the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. We're praying to God the Father. God is in the secret place. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. And I don't know about you, but in the past, I have said the Lord's Prayer with vain repetition. Come on, I'm just being honest, right? You say it so much, you've heard it so much, you just say it, and it feels a little bit like vain repetition. But we're going to talk about this morning, how do we make that not into vain repetitions? Verse 8, therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. He already knows what you need before you even ask Him. Thank you, Jesus. It says, then in this manner, therefore pray. So now Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's going to talk about the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to break down each portion of this Lord's Prayer. And you don't have to take copious notes because I have it on the handout here for you of what each of these truly means when we say it. First part of this prayer. Now let me tell you something. I pray this prayer nearly every day. And I had studied this a couple years back. I think I gave a couple messages on it. Uh, regarding the Lord's Prayer. And I say this prayer <clears throat> almost every single day. I say it every day I go for a prayer walk. Now, when it's minus seven wind chill, I don't always go on my prayer walk. I'm just being honest here, okay? Minus seven wind chill, I was not walking yesterday morning or whenever it was super cold. However, when I get out on our, our main road right where we live, there is a point when I pass our neighbor's house, it's like the Lord reminds me every morning, say the Lord's Prayer. 
And I don't say it anymore in vain repetition. I say it like I mean it. And I pause after every line after I say it. And I say, oh, our Father who art in heaven. And I just stop. And I just meditate on those words just for a minute. Just for a minute. Our Father who is in heaven. And the handout says, we are your children, God. Our Father. Think about that. You are calling the God of the universe your Father. What a better way to start a prayer than that. Jesus is teaching us how to pray. Our Father. Could we just stop right there for a minute and be like, oh my goodness. You mean I can call God my Father if you've made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? You absolutely can because he paved the way to have a relationship with God the Father. And you can say, Father, I need you. Father, I need help. Father. And when you think of Father, you think of what? Family. You are part of a family of God. You are literally in God's family. Come on. Our Father. You could just, I could do the rest of my prayer walk just thinking and just trusting in him because he's my Father. I couldn't even get to the rest of the prayer if I really thought about it. And that's okay. You don't have to. When you're praying this, you don't have to get through the whole thing. But we start by recognizing who he is and that we are part of his family. Our Father in heaven, we are your children. We believe you are who you say you are, our good and faithful Father. Come on, church. Our Father, was, he's in heaven. He tells us he's in heaven. He shows us he's in heaven through the word of God. Jesus ascended to heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father. Our Father, there he is. We always point up. We're certainly not down, but we always point. He's out. He's in heaven. And he sent us his Holy Spirit to abide with us and to be with us and to have a relationship with us and be a part of our lives. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallelujah. He knows the numbers of the hairs on my head and that I believe that they're growing. Come on, church. I'm believing in faith that I'm growing hair back here. I'm believing that my eyesight's getting better too, amen? Because my father's in heaven. He knows all the hairs. He knows if they're being added or not. Now, if they don't end up getting added by the end, whatever, I'll deal with it. But I'm believing in faith that God is going to do these things. Because he is my father who is in heaven. He cares about me and he loves me. I'm part of his family. Hallowed be your name. Oh, hallowed. You think of what, is that, what does that word actually mean? It means to revere. Oh, what a great word. To revere. We revere you, God. We revere you for, for you are the holy and righteous God. To revere something is to stand in all of it, to be amazed by it. And you just said, he is your father who's in heaven. Then you stand amazed. You stand in awe of him, the Lord of all creation, who created everything. He's our father. So you just say, I revere you, Lord. I'm here for you, Lord. Have your way, Lord. We stand in awe of you. We long to please you. And we want to glorify your name. It's like we begin, you begin the prayer worshiping. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. And I can't stop and start worshiping. Hallowed be your name. Thank you, Lord, that I'm part of your family. And if you never get any further than that, 
Hallelujah. But there's more. This reverence to him, this deep respect. You say, well, hallowed be your name. What, what does his name mean? What is his name? In Exodus 3, 13, it says this. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers, our father, has sent me to you, and then they say to me, what is his name? This is Moses asking God, a conversation with God. What do I say to the people when they say, who sent, who, who's coming, what, who sent me? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Oh, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. The great I am. I am is what he calls himself. This is what God is calling himself. The I am. And thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you to me. I am. You're like, well, I am what? What do you need, church? Come on, church. I am your provider. I am your salvation. I am your righteousness. I am your rock. I am the one to depend on. I am the one who will be there for you. I am the one who never leaves you. I am the one who never forsakes you. I am. Hallowed be your name, God. Come on, church. Hallowed be your name. He is our king. He is our salvation. Man, hallowed be your name. Church, I need the I am. Come on, how many need the I am this morning? The I am who's in the boat, who calmed the storms. Come on, we need the I am. Situations and challenges that we're faced with. Hallowed be your name. <laughs> your name. I'm just going to stand there with you, Lord. Your name. I'm willing to be obedient and obey the commands that you have called me to. Next part of the prayer says, your kingdom come. Come on, church. We are calling forth his kingdom. Saying, Lord, your kingdom come. And ultimately, what we're actually praying is that we're praying Jesus' return. We're actually saying, Lord, Mar Maranatha, Lord, come, Jesus, come. Come quickly, Lord. This world is hurting, and, and it's just, there's so many issues. Lord, come quickly. We are calling forth his kingdom. Because part of his kingdom is what? No tears, no pain, no sickness, no fear. We're saying, Lord, come, bring your kingdom now. Bring your kingdom now. And I believe what we're also saying is when we're calling his kingdom, calling it forth, we're also asking that as we are standing and waiting, and Jesus is tarrying, waiting for his return to come, we're saying, Lord, bring your kingdom into my life. I'm here to serve you and your kingdom. Lord, I want your kingdom to be expanded. I want, you, I want the lost to come to know you. Lord, your kingdom come. We're calling forth the return of Jesus. Then we say, your will be done. Oh, we could spend weeks on this one. You, you, wait a second. You're, we're, we're not praying my will be done? No. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Lord, what is your will? This is part of the prayer you're asking. Lord, what's your will? And as Pastor Andy said this morning, Jesus had to get into a posture of getting aligned with his Father's will. 
While he was in the garden, he was praying. He said, take this cup from me. Take it from me. Is there any other way? How many of us have said that? Lord, is there any other way? And sometimes he says, no, this is my will. This is my way. Your will be done. You say, well, what's his will? His will that all will be saved. His will is that Satan is defeated and death will no longer have a hold. His will is that the chains are broken, that your brokenness is healed, and that the bondages of sin are destroyed. That's his will. That's his will for every one of us. You don't know his will for a certain situation? Then go find it. Come on. Then go find it. You know, there's, there's indices in the back. There's Google on your phone. Lord, I need to know all the scriptures that have to do with healing. Lord, I need all the scriptures that have to do with finances. Lord, I need all the scriptures that have to do with relationships. Lord, because your will be done. Your will be done. And I want to know what your will is. So your will be done. And we read it. And we build our faith as we meditate on his word. His will is found in the scriptures. Find the scripture that you're standing on. We're calling forth his promises down to earth. Your will be done. Lord, have your way. It's aligning our heart with his. And boy, you could go on 10 prayer walks and just stick right there. Ooh, Lord, your will be done. That's not how I want it to be done. Lord, your will be done. That's why we're at this time of fasting. It's putting down the flesh. It's putting down our thoughts, our ideas, our plans, our purposes, and Lord saying, what is your will for my life? What is your will for my family? What is your will for this church? Lord, your will be done. Our hearts cry. Then it says, on earth as it is in heaven... Hallelujah, which means we don't have to wait completely for Jesus' return. Yes, when he returns, he will make all things new. He will perfect everything. But in the meantime, in the meantime, while we're waiting on earth as it is in heaven, Lord, bring your will down, bring heaven down on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, bring miracles. Lord, bring signs and wonders in this place and in our lives. Miracles, signs, wonders on this earth as it is in heaven. We want that will to be done here on earth. You know, our church is marked by miracles. You know that? Our lives are marked by miracles. This church is marked by miracles. And if you're a part of this church, then you're marked by miracles. Peace, no pain, miracles, signs, and wonders. And yes, will this place be perfect? No. Not until Jesus comes back, baby. Not until Jesus comes back. But as we wait, we ask the Lord for his mercy, his goodness, his righteousness to permeate our lives and our families. And we got all this prayer about, Lord, bring your will down, power, signs, wonders, your will be done. We're hallowing his name, we're worshiping him, and then we say this, give us this day our daily bread. It's like the Lord said, yeah, all this stuff, all this stuff out there, but can, you know what, can I just realign you for a second for today? Can I just realign you for today? And he's saying, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next month. Don't worry about next year. Give us this day, today, our daily bread. 
You, Lord, are our provider. Our needs are met, and we lack nothing. We have no fear of tomorrow, church. No fear of tomorrow. God is already there. He's already working in tomorrow. He's dealing with tomorrow. You don't have to deal with tomorrow because you're in today. Does that say, well, you know what? Then I don't have to make any kind of menu or grocery list or plan for my family to eat for the next week. Because I don't have to work. No, it doesn't mean you don't plan. It doesn't mean you don't grocery shop. Like, well, I guess I'll go grocery shopping every day because I don't have to worry about tomorrow. No, it says don't worry about tomorrow. It doesn't say don't plan for tomorrow. It says stop getting, getting your head off of the future and getting it into today. Because he is the God of today. He's right here with us. He brings us back to remembering don't worry about what you need to wear. Don't worry about the food. Don't worry about these things. I see you and I got you. Give us this day our daily bread. Nourishment for today. Strength for today. Provision for today. Waking up every day and say, Lord, you know what I need today. I can't do it alone. Give me today the daily bread that I need. Give me the scripture I need to stand on. Give me the word that I need of encouragement. Help me to bump into the friend that needs to be a friend. Or help me bump into the friend who needs me to be their friend. Whatever it is, give us today, today, today our daily bread. He is our provider. And then it says, and forgive us our debts. We can get excited about this one. Yeah, we've been singing about this one this morning. Thank you, Jesus. You have forgiven our debts. He's, he's just telling us to remember that today your debts have been paid. He's saying, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts today. Don't worry. Ask for forgiveness for the ones from the past and then leave them back there. Leave them back there. We repent. We turn from our sin. Forgive us, Lord, and purify our hearts and lives. Forgive us, Lord, for our debts. We have to recognize daily that we are saved by grace. Unmerited favor of God. We have to recognize that every day. That every one of us is a sinner and we are saved by grace. Not by our own works. Not by our own trying. Not by being a good person. Doesn't save you. Only Jesus only believing that he is the son of God and that he died for your sins and that he rose from the grave. Forgive us our debts, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for making a way. Thank you, Jesus, for making a way. When we say forgive us for our debts, we remember his goodness and his faithfulness. Makes you want to take communion again. To remember as often as you do it in remembrance. Forgive us our debts. Thank you, Lord. Create in me a clean heart. Come on, church. It's not just, oh, I screwed up. I'll just ask for forgiveness again. No, it's create in me a clean heart, Lord. Sanctify me, change me, move me in a new direction. I'm tired of living the way I used to live. I'm tired of it. I want a new direction, Lord. Help me to do it. The next part of that is where you're all going to get quiet. As we forgive our debtors. Whoa, whoa. We are praying to God to forgive us in the same respect that we are forgiving others. 
Hallelujah. Come on, church. Are you kidding me? As we forgive our debts, Lord, free us from bitterness and anger. Lord, free us because of how good he is and what he did for us. Lord, free us from bitterness and anger. We release those who have harmed us. We bless them in Jesus' name. Every day when you're saying in this prayer, you just begin to say, Lord, I'm releasing that person. Lord, I'm releasing that person. I don't feel like releasing that person. You don't know what they did to me. And they have done some horrible things to people in this room, and I know it, and it sucks, and I'm sorry. But every day you have to decide that I am going to forgive that person. I'm going to forgive that person. And I may not feel it in my heart, but I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing it. And the Lord begins to work and to change. And you begin to want to bless them. The person who hurt you, you eventually want to bless them. How can that be? Only because of the great I am. Only because of the great I am. No other way. We have to remember when we say this prayer, Lord, thank you for forgiving my sins, but we have to also then be forgiving of others. And when we say it, Lord, sometimes we don't even know we're, we're harboring bitterness to somebody. Come on, church, right? Sometimes you ask the Lord, be like, Lord, am I holding any bitterness to anybody? And then a name pops up in your head. And you're like, what? Ah, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. No way. I, I, that person, me, we're so sympathetical. We're good. And you're like, no. God's like, no, 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 no. There's that thing you're holding on to, that thing they said, that thing they did, that you just, mm, you're just leaving it in there. And the Lord's saying, no, release it, release it, release it. It's actually poison to you. You're the one dying because of it. You're the one who's holding on to the bitterness. Not, they're probably out there walking around. They had no idea they even did it. They're like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. You know, if you ever do that when someone says hello, go to the Lord's Prayer and say, Lord, Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Because you know who it is. If you get the little ping, right? When you see somebody, ping. Like, oh, I got something I'm holding on to. I need to get rid of that. And it says, and do not lead us into temptation. Worship team, you want to come back up here? And lead us not into temptation. You say, well, how can the Lord lead us not into temptation? I thought that God is not a tempter. Well, he's not. He is God. God will test, but there are situations that we put ourselves in. Come on, church. We, we maneuver ourselves sometimes in a situation. You're like, I can't even believe I got myself in that situation. And so we, there is temptation that is out there in the world that the enemy brings to us, and we get ourselves caught. But Lord, lead us, in, get us out of it, Lord. Help us to navigate the temptation that we walked ourselves into. Lord, lead us by your Holy Spirit. Because I need your help because me alone is not enough. Me alone, you alone, not enough. Not enough. We need the Holy Spirit each and every day to help us navigate this crazy world that we live in. So Lord, don't lead us into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. Come on, church. Deliver us from the evil one because he is the deliverer satan is defeated we stand in authority and freedom in christ because of what he did he is the one who defeats satan 
Deliver us from the evil one, Lord. We're asking you today, whatever situation, whatever circumstance that the enemy has gotten in, Lord, we are asking as we pray this, deliver us, Lord. Deliver us from the evil one. We say no more in Jesus' name. Evil one, get out. Satan, get out of my life. And take a stand with the authority that God has given you. The authority in the name of Jesus to say no more. No more. Deliver us from the evil one, Lord. Because of his power. Church, we know that God wins. He defeated death. And eventually he will throw Satan into that lake of fire forever. But until he does, he's given us the power and authority to stand on his word and to stand with him and take the authority he has given us in the situations of our lives. Thank you, Lord, for delivering us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We opened up the prayer in worship. Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, worshiping him. And Jesus teaches us to end the prayer, worshiping him. Stand to your feet this morning. Lord, we worship you. All power, all glory are yours forever. All power, all glory are yours forever. I want you to grab your sheet that we handed out. I know the font is small, but if you hold it a little bit further out, if you're past a certain age, you will be able to read it. That's what I'm going to do. And we're going to say this prayer a little different than the first time we said it. And we're going to read exactly what's on this sheet of paper. I want us to read when we say, don't go yet, our Father in heaven. I want us to then say in unison, we are your children. We believe that you are who you say you are, our good and faithful Father. So we're going to say the Lord's Prayer with our little excerpts, expository preaching to ourselves about what it is that this prayer really means. So let's do this together on the count of three. One, two, three. Our Father in heaven, we are your children. We believe that you are who you say you are, our good and faithful Father. Hallowed be your name. We revere you, and you are holy and righteous God. We stand in awe of you. We long to please you and to glorify your name. Your kingdom come. We call forth your kingdom. Your will be done. We submit to your will. On earth as it is in heaven, Lord, bring miracles, signs, and wonders in this place and in our lives. Give us this day our daily bread. Lord, you are our provider. Our needs are met and we lack nothing. We have no fear of tomorrow. And forgive us our debts. We repent and turn from sin. Forgive us, Lord, and purify our hearts and lives. As we forgive our debtors, Free us, Lord, from bitterness and anger. We release those who have harmed us, and we bless them. And lead us not into temptation. Lead us, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. But deliver us from the evil one. You are our deliverer. Satan is defeated. We stand in authority and freedom in Christ. 
For Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We worship You, Lord. All power and glory are Yours forever and ever and ever and ever. Hallelujah, Lord. Let's worship together. o'clock noon there is a daily portion there's a portion here this morning and I encourage you if you want the elders of this church to stand in agreement with you for anything it is now come forward and stand and present your request to the Lord now and we're just going to come and we're just going to touch you and we're just going to say we agree in the name of Jesus and we're going to move on to the next person and we're going to agree in the name of Jesus. If you want to come and stand for a blessing for your child because it's here this morning, then we will agree with you in the name of Jesus. And you will stand and you will partake of what is here this morning. And if you need to go, then be blessed in the name of Jesus. Be blessed in your going out and go out and be light. Kids, don't run around the sanctuary this morning because we got stuff to do up here, okay? Don't run around the church today. Do it at home. (laughs) Do it at home this morning. But I encourage you, worship team, if you can just play for like five more minutes of just worshiping him. I just don't want to, I just don't want to stop. And I got a birthday lunch to get to, but this is better. Gosh, this is better. This is better. So Pastor Andy's going to come up and we're here. We're here. We just want to agree with you. If you don't know Jesus, yeah. if you're like, what in the world? Yeah. Come yeah. up. Today is the day Today of salvation. Is the day Today to is the day him. to know him. Today is the day Amen. to receive from him Amen. this morning. Amen. So come on so up. So you are dismissed to come up and stand in agreement for what it is that the Lord has for you this morning. And you are dismissed to go out and be light, to be light and salt to the world.